ought to bless the Lord one more time. Put your hands together for nine years of God's great and amazing work towards you. If you joined in the last year, became a member in the last year of Epiphany Fellowship, just raise your hand. Last year. Last year. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Amen. Last year. Praise the Lord. Okay, you can put yours down. In the last two to three years, if you join, raise your hand. Amen. 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 Last five years. Last five years. Join. Okay, it's getting smaller. It's getting smaller. Last seven years. Who's been here nine years? Nine years. Amen. Praise God. For those of you that have been here nine years, stand to your feet real quick. Nine years. Stand to your feet real quick. Amen. Now, now, nine years ago, would you have thought that God would have done all of this? Amen. Look at what God has done, and we ought to celebrate him one more time for his goodness and seeing all the new family members. If you're visiting for the very first time, again, uh, just wave one more time. If this is your very first Sunday, amen, we praise God for your presence here at Epiphany Fellowship Philadelphia, amen, and we're glad that you are here. Um, in this second gathering, I do have uh, with me a little bit more finery than I had at the first gathering. Uh, my wife is here with all of her finery, and, um, and it is some finery, amen, and so I thank God for... Uh, I'm always glad to be married to a doctor and, uh, and, and, and for my doctor to be fine and work on me. Amen. I like going to the doctor. I like the doctor checking me out. I, I appreciate checkups. I, I like all that. Amen. I've had the same doctor for the last 20 years, and I'm not, I'm not changing doctors. Amen. So, Amen. October 17th, 1993, we met at church during meet and greet, and I called my mom. I said, Mom, I met the woman I'm going to marry. She said, don't go crazy. I said, no, Mom, I'm signing up with this doctor. Amen. And I'm a, I'm a, I don't care if I don't have insurance, HMO, PMO. I don't care how much it costs. I'm going to spend what it takes. Amen. So thank God for my wife. And because of my doctor visits, we do have two children, um, Reagan Faith. My eight-year-old my eight Reagan Faith and my son, five-year-old Robert Chance. And actually, your pastor was going to do our uh, vow renewal in Punta Cana, this Dominican Republic, September 27th, 28th, 29th, and 30th. But because he was visiting his doctor and in a family way, um, they couldn't come. And so now I got to get somebody else to do uh, my stuff. So uh, I'm just all shook up. I'm like... I had my boy going to renew my vows and all that, and, but they were in a family kind of way, man, and so they were unable. So I want to thank God for his family, amen, and thank God for uh, your pastor, his wife, and thank God for the presence of his father in this gathering, amen. Praise God for Pastor Mason's father being in the house and his family, amen. We thank God for that. It is an awesome time to, to, to get to actually physically see him. I've heard about him and seen pictures of him all the time, but to see him is an awesome opportunity. So I want to share with you before we get started and get into the Word of God um, how, how much of a blessing it is just to be at Epiphany Fellowship. Uh, this message that I preach today is going to be somewhat historical, somewhat personal, but it is going to be biblical. Amen. 
Uh, it will be rooted in the scripture, but it's going to have some history behind it. It's going to have some biblical some stuff and some personal things uh, that I share with you today. But I do want to share with you, as uh, you read earlier in your time of giving, about God loves a cheerful giver out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Do you realize that when God writes that in context through the Holy Spirit, through Paul to the church at Corinth, it was because Paul was encouraging the church of Corinth, a big church, a big money church, to actually fulfill their pledge to give because a smaller church had given. And that was the Macedonian church. The church at Philippi had given their money, and they were continually giving their money to support the gospel ministry and the gospel work. But there was a big church who had not given their money yet to support the gospel ministry, and so Paul is calling on them. And I want to just share with you this. Eric and I met back in Dallas and in Houston, Texas. And in my area of Houston, Texas, there's one area of southwest Houston where you're going to find a church that has 7,000 members, three uh, minutes from that church, there's a church that has 14,000 members. Five minutes from that church, there's a church that has 6,000 members. Seven minutes from that, there's a church that has 25,000 members. And three minutes from that is another church with 14,000 members. They pick up offerings like this, 500,000 or a half a million dollars a Sunday. $24 million budgets and have not planted one single church, have not sent one missionary overseas, have not supported, but yet the Macedonian church here at Epiphany Fellowship, God has used to plant five churches, and God has allowed you to be a part of that. To say that you have given a little church on 17th and Diamond in the hood with a bunch of college students who ain't got no money, and some professionals to say that you have given uh, uh, a half a million dollars away to gospel mission, you ought to celebrate the work of the Lord through your elders and through your gifts, through your gifts. You want to be at a church that believes in giving, amen. Praise the Lord for what God has done. Praise the Lord for what God has done. And so I want to thank God for your ministry one more time. And uh, we do have something else. We're going to send your way to bless your church. You have the chairs, but I got something else coming your way. You'll see it in a little bit. And, uh, but we want to bless your church with one more thing. And God's also allowed us to invest in uh, Watson Jones and the ministry over there. And so we thank God for the guys that come out of your ministry, and God allows us to support as well. So if you don't mind, stand with me to your feet. I'm going to read from Acts chapter 16, verse 6 through 10. And because it's your anniversary, I don't want you to read. I'm going to give you the day off. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to read it myself. Amen. And, and now if you need a device, uh, pull your device out. If you got a phone, a phone, you know, use it. iPad, use it. Uh, if you got a Bible, use it. But I'm gonna read for you, man. It's your anniversary. Just relax. Acts 16, verse 6 through 10. Luke, the physician, writes these words. They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, 
concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to him. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be holy and acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are my rock and my redeemer. Amen and praise God. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 through 10, I'd simply like to tag this text. Keep on going. Keep on going. Back in the late 70s, early 80s, at about 3 o'clock every day, Monday through Friday, the show would come on called Star Trek. Now, I would not have considered myself a Trekkie. I just like Star Trek more than I like doing homework. And so I watched it every day. And it was always interesting when Star Trek would come on, I would hear the voice of James Kirk, Captain Kirk. And here's what he would say. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission is to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. That was Captain Kirk. Now, on this journey with Captain Kirk was a team of individuals, Mr. Spock, Mr. Sulu, Scotty, uh, Lieutenant Uhura, amen. They had Lieutenant Uhura on duty with him. And so here it was is that Captain Kirk had Chekhov with him and all these other guys. And they were all on mission together. The Bible lets us know that the Apostle Paul always traveled with companions doing ministry together. In Acts chapter 13, he begins to travel on his very first missionary journey uh, with Barnabas. And while traveling on that missionary journey with Barnabas, he takes alongside with them John Mark. It is their first calling to go share the gospel and spread it and go to the ends of the earth. For the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the way to the ends of the earth. Now, it was the ministry of Peter and the early Jewish uh, apostles to minister in the areas of Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. But when it was a call to boldly go to the very ends of the earth, that, Paul rest, that call rested on the life of a young man by the name of Paul. That was his call, to go place is where no man has gone before. Go share the gospel in places to where no man has gone before. And so here it is, is that Paul is going to uncharted territory, but not only is Paul going to uncharted territory, Paul is Jewish, and yet God has called him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. I want you to have a cross-ethnic call, Paul. I know that you're comfortable being Jewish, and I, I know you're comfortable being a Jew of Jew and a Pharisee of Pharisees. I know that you're comfortable being circumcised sized on the eighth day, born of the tribe of Benjamin. I know you're comfortable with that, but I need you to go boldly to some other nations because the gospel call and the great commission is a call of go therefore to all the nations. He says, go to the nations. In other words, you can't just go to people that look just like you. Isn't it interesting that when Mr. Uh, when, when Captain Kirk would be traveling, he'd run across the silver woman 
Some of y'all don't remember the silver woman. She, she looked pretty good to be silver, but, but she looked good. He'd come across some green folk. He, he'd come across all kind of folk that just didn't look like him, but he was boldly going where no man had gone before. And God always calls us with the gospel mission and the great commission to boldly go where no one has gone before. He said, here's our mission. It's a five-year journey, but the mission of the church is not a five-year journey. It is a mission that goes until Christ comes back. It is a mission that goes to where we go and preach the good news. We go and share the message of Jesus Christ to all the nations. And so we find ourselves in Acts chapter 16. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, it's amazing because it comes off the backdrop of verse 1 through 5. Verse 1 through 5, Paul, along with Tim Timothy and Silas, are going back to the original churches that they had ministered to in Acts chapter 13. And what they're doing is they're going back to deliver letters to the original churches that they ministered to, but all of a sudden those churches started hearing hearing a foul word. They started hearing that in order for the Gentiles to be saved, you can't be saved like us good Jews by grace through faith. You have to observe the law of Moses and be circumcised. Somebody started messing with the gospel that they had been hearing. It started messing up the Gentiles because they said, how in the world can we observe laws that we first never heard of? How, how in the world can we obey? You want us circumcised at 45? I ain't with all that. To, but but, 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 but I'll, I'll follow Jesus, but I ain't getting circumcised at 45. So here it is. You got to be circumcised and observe the law of Moses. So when they started going back to the churches that they had originally started, all of a sudden, God begins to move on them. Why? Because I don't want you all going back to where you went in the first place. I need you to go some places that you ain't ever gone before. Here it was in 2001, uh, your pastor, Pastor Eric Mason, and I were both living in Houston, Texas. And while living in Houston, Texas, I was serving at one ministry with my wife with 1,500 members. And Eric was serving at his church uh, with his wife with 2,500 members. And we began to have a discussion that Eric initiated saying, man, let's look at planning a church. And so I said, oh, man, the ground is fertile. Everything is straight. Uh, we've been ministering in this area. You've been in Dallas, now Houston. You're getting invitations to speak and preach all all over every place. I'm doing youth ministry stuff. We can do this thing together. And he and I had set out to begin to have discussions about planning a church. So I introduced the idea of Houston, Texas. I said, man, ain't no better place to plant a church than Houston, Texas. I already told you, if you could, if you just say amen, you get 50 people in Houston. If you say amen and Jesus, you got 100 folk. We, if, if, if we can say amen, Jesus, and hallelujah, we got 250 right there. And so here it is, Eric, this is a fertile place. And all of a sudden, my best friend says no. Now hold up, Doc. We're we doing good until you said no. I said, Eric, wh what in the world are you talking about saying no? It's all set up for us right here. And he said, God is calling me to the East Coast. Now all of a sudden, I wasn't interested in the conversation no more. I'm a Gulf Coast kind of guy. We got good weather. We ain't got to worry about no snow. But he said, he said God is calling me to the East Coast. I said, why is he calling to the East Coast? He said, Blake, you know, you just explained it to the congregation. There are churches everywhere with thousands upon thousands of people. But when it comes to the East Coast, there is a deep need for gospel preaching. There is a deep need for churches in the area of the East Coast. And then he said, I don't want to just go to one place. I want to plant churches all over the Eastern shoreline. This was 2001. You're celebrating your anniversary in 2000. 
2015. You're nine years old, which means that your church didn't get started till 2006. We were having these conversations five years before your church ever got started. In other words, God was already thinking about you before you ever got here. God already had you in mind before you ever got here. So watch this, Acts chapter 16, verse 6. In Acts chapter 16, verse 6, the Bible says, They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. Let me show you something. Uh, the, the very first thing you're going to have to know if you're going to boldly go where God has called you to go is you're going to have to realize when there is a restriction by the Holy Spirit. A restriction by the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. To boldly go where no man has gone before, you must hear with spiritual sensitivity the Holy Spirit say, don't go there. Here it is, is that your best friend and brother in ministry is saying, man, let's do it in Houston, but I can't hear my best friend's voice. i got to listen to the voice of God. I've got to hear God over a brother I'd like to partner with right here. Why? Because God didn't tell me to plant in Houston. God didn't tell me to plant in Dallas. God told me to go to the East Coast. In other words, you've got to know where the Spirit is leading you despite what man has to say to you. Watch this now. Now, now, in verse 6, it says, they passed through. Now, that word in the Greek language literally means that they were passing through trying to carry a message, trying to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It wasn't just that they were walking through casually. It was, no, we're going to this area, and we're going to preach the gospel and share the good news with some people down there. That word pass through is not casually walking by. No, we have intentions. When we walk by this place, when we go in this city, we're going to preach the gospel. But then all of a sudden, watch the Bible. Verse 6, they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, how in the world, Holy Spirit, are you going to forbid me from preaching the word? Now, we're already being hindered by other people. In Acts chapter 14, they tried to stone us to death and left us for dead there. But yet we got up and continued to preach the gospel because God had caused it. Holy Spirit, how are you saying no? How is the Holy Spirit forbidding us from preaching the word? Now, you got to understand the word of God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, if, you're gonna, if somebody's going to get saved, they got to hear the word about Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, that when Jesus Christ gathered together, there was a big crowd of people to the degree that they were stepping on each other. And as they all gathered, the Bible says, and Jesus preached the word to them. In other words, the word of God is the very thing that we need for men and women to hear. But Holy Spirit, you're stopping us? Yeah, watch this now. Watch. Here it says, the Holy Spirit forbid them. In other words, the Holy Spirit restricted them and said, you can't speak the word in Asia. But he's not done. Watch this. So they, they, they say, okay, we can't go to Asia. Let's go to the next place. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go down to Bithynia. Now watch this. There's a key word. They were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. Twice the Spirit of God says, not there. Why? Because God knows where he wants you to end up. God both orders your steps and your stops. I don't want you to minister right here. Why? Because I have somewhere else I need you to go. But why, God, do you have somewhere else? Why is there a need in Philadelphia and not the same need or same burden that you have in Houston? Well, let's walk back and do a little history lesson. Notice this. Go, go, go with me to verse 6. 
they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region. Remember those words. And they, we could not speak the word in Asia, and we, couldn't, we were trying to go to Bithynia, but he did not permit, permit us. Go Walk back with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 5 and 11. Why does the Holy Spirit forbid them? Why? That, that, that's the question. Why, Holy Spirit, can we not speak there? Well, you know Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost or the inauguration of the church where Peter preaches at Pentecost and the Holy Spirit falls and 3,000 people are saved. But notice what happens in Acts 2 verse 5. In verse 5 it says, Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation, underline that, under heaven. Remember, go to the nations and make disciples. So he says the, the, the Jewish people who had been scattered because of disobedience to all the nations, he said, I'm bringing them back to Jerusalem to worship at Pentecost, verse 5. And when that sound occurred, the, uh, when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans, and how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Now watch, verse 9, remember they're coming from all different places. Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontia. Now watch, Asia, you see it? In verse 9, you see it? Phrygia, verse 10, and Pamphylia, Egypt. Now walk with me real quick. I need you to do something. Walk with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Well, walk with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Why can he not go to the Phrygian area? Why can he not go to Galatia? Why can he not go to Bithynia? Why can he not go to Asia? Check out 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontius, here come the words, Galatia, Cappadocia, here goes another one, Asia and Bithynia who are chosen. In other words, there are already people who have shared the gospel and saturated those cities with the gospel. So I need to move you to a place where the gospel has not been saturated in those cities. Y'all better come on and walk with me real quick. I don't want you going and sharing the gospel where folk have already heard it over and over every single day. I don't need you in the Bible Belt. I need you to create a new Bible Belt. And so all of a sudden, the reason why God will restrict you from going some places is I have already have witnesses there. I already have testimony of the gospel there. I need you to boldly go where nobody's gone before. I need you to take that gospel that you learned and that you've been saved by and go to a place to where I'm setting up for you. Now think about this. When God begins to move in 2001, there was already something in this building that was an Epiphany Fellowship. But God began to have conversations with your pastor about planting a church up here. And God had already planned by the time that you all got here to move that business out and to move you in. Do you realize? See, here's what I really want you to understand out of this message is what does it mean to be in the perfect will of God? What does it mean to be right where God has ordered your steps to realize that God is at work in an amazing way and saying, God, you've called me to be a part of your work. Now walk back with me to Acts chapter 16 real quick. I wanted you to see why the Holy Spirit did not permit them to go and why the Spirit forbid them of going. And so here it is, is that they're trying to go. 
Now, when you're trying to go, that means I'm trying to go preach this good news. But the Holy Spirit says no. And so after the Holy Spirit has said no to Paul twice, Paul says, man, I'm going to sleep. Check out verse 9. The Bible says in verse 9, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now notice this. The next thing you're going to need to know is to boldly go where no man has gone before. You must hear with spiritual clarity when the Holy Spirit says, go here. See, I need you to go to Macedonia. And so Paul, in the night, hears a vision of a man standing saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, the amazing thing about this word vision is it is a compelling word that literally means that the person who sees the vision is so compelled and moved by the vision that they recognize how important it is and the weight and the gravity of the vision. And that if I don't take care of this, if I don't do this, it would be like I would lose my soul. It's so important. It's so much of a hearkening call that I realize that behind this vision that God has given me of one man saying, come over and help us, is a multitude of souls that need to hear the gospel. And so Paul says, here it is. It's God, I got to get up now. I, I, I was asleep until you gave me a vision. I, I, I was asleep. And why? Because the man said, come over and help us. Now watch this. This word help isn't just no, excuse me, oh yeah, can you get that for me? No, it means come over and rescue us. It means come over and get us. We are prisoners, and if somebody doesn't come and get us and do a Rambo mission and get us up out of here, we're going to be stuck over here. And so Paul says, God is calling me and my team to journey and go where nobody else can go before. Why? So that I can preach this gospel to you and set you free. Come over and rescue us. Now notice this. It says, come over and help us. Somebody is in need of help. So whenever you have been called by a church, whenever you are a part of a church to serve God, there is not only a need for the church to exist, but a need for other people who are in need of help to hear what the church has to say. In other words, you, you can't just come and enjoy all this praise and worship. You just can't enjoy all these pre-engagement classes. You just can't enjoy financial peace for yourself. Somebody's out there saying, I need some help too. And perhaps if God will use us to go and preach the gospel to them. Paul said there's a vision that God showed me. What God showed me is that there's some people out there that don't even know I'm on my way. God is setting Paul up to travel down to the leading city of the Macedonian region called Philippi. And on the, in the leading city called Philippi, I need you to go through, uh, th through the Macedonian region, and I want you to stop in Philippi. And when he stops in Philippi, having heard the vision, he begins to look for a place. Now, remember, the vision says there's a man saying, come over and help us. And when he gets to Philippi, what happens? He gets to Philippi, and there's some women at a place of prayer. There's no men in a Jewish synagogue. Whenever Paul preaches, you'll always see the pattern of Paul going to a city and going into the synagogue first. But because there were not enough males in the house to start up a synagogue and stand for the Jewish faith, Paul says, I got to go to a place of prayer, and y'all know women going to pray. And so he ends up around some women. And he preaches the gospel to a woman by the name of Lydia, a seller of purple fabrics, a woman of means, a Thyatira, and a woman, a businesswoman, gets saved. But God, you told me there was a man that called me. And now after this, after this woman gets saved and he goes into her house and preaches at her house, 
her whole family gets saved. This is how the church gets, start, the church gets started in a very small way. And then all of a sudden, while doing business, he comes across a demon-possessed woman. And he preaches the gospel to a demon-possessed woman and calls a demon out of her, and she gets saved. Now, here it is, God. I'm smack dab in your will. I'm two for two. I preach the gospel. This lady got saved. I preach the gospel here. This lady got saved. I'm two for two, God. I'm batting a thousand. But after batting a thousand, what happened? Well, we put you in prison, homeboy. We're going to shut down all this gospel preaching. And so all of a sudden, Paul had to go through some persecution. Somebody began to come by. You're following the vision of God, but you got to go through hell to get other folk to heaven. So he ends up in jail. He ends up in solitary confinement down there left by himself. God, I, you, 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 you told me to preach this thing. I'm preaching and now I'm in jail, left in a cell. He said, oh yeah, you're down there. He said, so what are you going to do while you're down there? Well, the Bible says I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make a boast in the Lord. The humble will hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name. Why? Why do you say that, Blake? Because the Bible says it was around midnight. You didn't catch it. Remember he got a vision in the night, but at midnight he also realized I better pray and I better sing. Why? Because God has me smack dab in the middle of his will. And while in that jail cell and I begin to pray, God shakes up the Place. And all of a sudden, a jailer comes down, and I preach to the jailer, and the jailer got saved. Why? Because I need you to even go to some places that you never expected to be for some folks that I'm sending in those places to get saved by the good news of Jesus Christ. And so now all of a sudden, the jailer ends up saved. Why? Because you got to know where God has called you to go. When you follow God's direction, there will not only be his faithfulness, but his fruitfulness behind it to show you all that God has done. Watch this. So here we are in Acts chapter 16, and all the good news, a vision appeared in verse 9 to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, here's the amazing thing about this, this, this Macedonian thing and help us. When he finds himself in Philippi, I told you, the first two people saved were women. And as a result, it means that there were not 10 Jewish men who had established a synagogue. Ten males had not stood strong enough in their Jewish faith to establish a synagogue. And so all of a sudden, you read the book of Philippians chapter 1. Paul writes this church that he meets in Acts 16. And when he writes it, it opens up Paul and Timothy to the overseers and deacons. Y'all didn't catch that thing. In other words, by now, after I came over, I raised some men up through the preaching of the gospel that this church now has its own elders, its own deacons, it has its own leadership. Why? Because when I went and preached, I found women first. But by the time I got finished preaching the blood of Jesus, some men got saved, some men came to know God, and they began to stand in their rightful place to do the things that God has called them to do. So God says, I'm going to work in this city, Paul. I'm calling you to this city. Now watch, here it is. He says, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10, and I'm out of here. Watch, verse 10. When he had seen the vision, immediately, Luke is now using Mark language, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now watch this. Participation with the Holy Spirit. To boldly go where no man has gone before, you must know with spiritual certainty that the Holy Spirit has given vision to the man of God. You, you, you got, check it out, verse 9, verse 10a. 
When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia. God gave the vision to Paul. When he gives Paul the vision, Luke, the physician, and the other guys, uh, uh, Silas and Timothy, say, God's called us. In other words, I need some partners to go with me in ministry to complete this call. And notice this, that it was not a ministry that was totally based on Paul. It was a ministry based on us. The thing I like about the book of Acts is that the Bible clearly says, and every day from house to house, they went right on preaching and teaching Jesus as the Christ, and God was adding to their number daily those that were being saved. Now, how in the world can Saul, I mean, can, can Peter be in 3,000 houses? He can't be in all those houses. That means that the members of the church had become the ministers of the church, and the members had begun to share the gospel themselves. And so all of a sudden, he says, here we are. We have concluded that God has called us. Now, hold up. Luke is a physician. Luke is a physician. That means he's a doctor. Luke is a doctor who has patience. He has a job. He has appointments. But Luke believes that the gospel is so big time that I'm going to write 52 chapters of the Bible to a friend by the name of Theophilus so that Theophilus can get the true story about Jesus the Christ. I'm going to write Luke 24 chapters, and I'm going to write Acts 28 chapters. Why? Because I need one friend to know for sure that he knows Jesus. A doctor in between patients is writing Luke chapter 1. Send the next one in. I'm going to get to chapter 2 in just a second. A doctor. In other words, I prioritize the gospel so seriously. The gospel means so much to me. As I might be studying to be an engineer, but while studying to be an engineer, I better know, know for sure I got this gospel down. Because I want to make sure that another engineer can get saved. I want to make sure that an architect, a lawyer, a doctor, a, a, a mailman, somebody can hear this gospel. So all of a sudden, here it is. As Luke says, God has called us. Now notice this. He's a doctor. That's his job. But that's not his calling. His calling is the gospel. His calling is God compelling him to preach the gospel. When he had seen the vision, immediately, watch, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had summoned us. God had called us by name. I'm not just at church enjoying this thing. God has called me to participate with this thing. Here goes the last thing, and I'm going to let you go. Watch this. To boldly go where no one has gone before, you must know with spiritual certainty that God, that the Holy Spirit has sent you on mission. The Holy Spirit has sent you on mission. Luke says, we concluded that God called us to preach the gospel. God called us to participate. God did not call us to clap when Paul preaches. God did not say for us to say, preach it, Paul. You better bring that, Paul. You better say that. No, no, no. God called us in our dorm room to share the gospel. God called us while eating lunch and dinner to share the gospel. God called us while in my apartment complex, in, uh, in my brownstone to preach. God called us. See, this is a day of great celebration. Why? Because God has called you to participation. See, two years ago, my wife said, Blake, I got you hooked up. See, you, you all don't know this. I love tennis. Love tennis. My favorite tennis player is Roger Federer. 
I'm devoted. When he loses, I lose. I, I cry. I feel it. And, you know, I, I, I'd be more broke up than Roger and all that. And, and my second favorite player is Novak Djokovic. But, but Novak is second and, and Roger's first. So it doesn't make me feel better when Novak wins and beats Roger at Wimbledon. It, it doesn't make me feel better. But, but I, I want to see Roger win. All right? Now, they're in the finals today, so y'all be praying for me because I got to fly back and I want to enjoy my trip back to Houston. Y'all pray for me. Now, 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 watch this. So two years ago, my wife says, Blake, I'm going to get you tickets to the U.S. Open, to the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the finals. I'm like, oh, baby, that's that Dr. Oil right there. Boy, that's that, that's that Dr. Oil right there. That, that's a good appointment right there. Now, watch this. And so here it is, is that I said, no, no, don't do that. And she said, why? I said, she, I thought you'd love to go to the U.S. Open. I said, baby, Roger's back is hurting him. And with his back hurting him, it ain't no way he's going to get with no Rafael Nadal and Andy Murray and Djokovic. You, you, you can't be playing around with your back hurting and all that kind of stuff. So, 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 baby, don't, don't waste no money because he ain't going to make it. And, so, and that year he didn't make it either. But watch this. But if I would have gone, if I would have gone to this tennis match, this U.S. Open, this is all I would have been doing while everybody was watching. Ball go poop. Boop, 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 boop. All I would have been doing was sitting in my seat spectating. Because although I like tennis, I can't play tennis. You, you didn't catch this thing yet. See, but, but, but because all I would have been doing was spectating, I could have never participated. But when God calls you and I into the gospel family, we play this game called gospel. And all of us can participate. We don't have to spectate and watch Paul. We can actually say, oh, you've been sent to me for me to share the gospel with you. I can play right here. So whenever God sends you somewhere to go, God's calling you to preach the gospel there. You can't be saying, come here, my pastor. Come here, my elders. No, no. God has called you to go and preach the gospel because God has called us to participation. So here's my question. Who are you playing gospel tennis with right now? Who are you saying Jesus Christ died for your sins? Who's Jesus? Oh, he's the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. <laughs> the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. What sin? Oh, let me tell you about it, baby. Boy, I used to be freaking and drinking and, and cussing and boom. Really? Is that a sin? Yes. But you know what's even deeper than that? The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, if you just disobey your mama and daddy, that's a sin. What? Hold it. That ain't a drop the racket and all that kind of shit. Disobey mom and dad. Bible says if you lie, that's a sin. We lie. Now, now watch this. In other words, you ought to be playing gospel tennis with somebody. Who are you participating with in a gospel conversation that's going back and forth, back and forth, until God breaks it down and all of a sudden you come to the net, and instead of you saying, you won, you hug him and say, he won. Yeah. Why? Because God used you to preach the gospel to somebody. Do you realize that God has ordered your steps here to this day in the ninth year of this church, and he has you here just for this? Listen to me very carefully, all who are in the room. If the church at Philippi had no man in Acts chapter 16, but by the time he writes Philippians in chapter 1, he says to the overseers and deacons, it means that some men had gotten tremendously developed. They had been so invested in. Right now, you think you're just coming here to sit in church, and God is preparing you for a ministry that you can't even see yet. 
for lives and souls that you can't even see it. You want to know what's so amazing about this call and I'm done? Here's what's amazing about this call. Acts 16, he says, a man in Macedonia said, come. And God led him to the leading city of Philippi. That's Philippi. So in Acts 16, he preaches in Philippi. But you know what comes after 16? You know math. 17. 17, the church at Thessalonica gets started. You know what comes after that? Berea gets started. After Berea gets started, you know what comes after that? Athens gets started. You know what comes after that? Chapter 18. The Philippians get started. You know what comes after that? Chapter 19. The Ephesians get started. In other words, because of one obedience to one call, all of a sudden, five other churches got started. Here's what God does when you obey and you'll go to Philadelphia. I'll start uh, Epiphany Camden. I'll start Restoration Germantown. I'll start Epiphany Brooklyn. I'll start Epiphany LA. I'll start this thing in Malawi. Why? Because you obeyed the call. And God called us to preach the gospel to him. Brothers and sisters, I'm out of here and I'm going to just tell you this. You don't know what God has in store for you. Eyes have not seen Ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the good things that God has in store. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all you could ask and or think, according to the power that is at work within you. The Holy Ghost is inside of you saying, let's play gospel tennis. I want you to go find a tennis partner this week. Someone where you begin to pray, God, let me serve. Let them return, sir. Let me hit. Let them return. Until, God, you win. Put your heart and mind on one person that God is saying, this person does not know Jesus Christ. And perhaps that's the reason he's called us to preach the gospel to him. Let's pray.